Get our Bibles out today, everybody. We're in Proverbs chapter 6 today. If you have your Bibles, work your way to Proverbs chapter 6. Doing our study through Proverbs 6, we spent such a long time and had a great time with the Lord's Prayer. Hope that your prayer lives are uh, reflecting what we learned and how Jesus taught us to pray, man. Proverbs 6 here, we did one installment last week. We talked about becoming surety for a friend or a stranger, getting snared by the words of our mouth and becoming financially or even physically obligated in situations that are unproductive. If you weren't here for that message, I encourage you to listen online. But this week, we're going to look at Proverbs 6, verses 6 through 11. And uh, in just a minute, I'm going to read that. Let's bless the word today and thank God for it. Father, we just thank you today that we can come together in this place and we can worship you. Father, we pray, Lord, today that you would be moving in our hearts as we hear the word this morning. And Father, we pray that the Holy Spirit would open up our hearts and our minds, that we would be able to understand and comprehend all the principles you've tucked in to the, your word for those who seek you beyond uh, just the casual and dig in, Lord. Father, we want to be not hearers only, but doers. So make it come alive to us, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Proverbs chapter 6, starting in verse 6. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Turn to your neighbor and say, good morning, sluggard. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall poverty come onto you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. This section of scripture here in Proverbs is dealing with an issue called indolence. And we're going to talk about what indolence is. And it's not a word that we use very much, but it's a very descriptive word. Sometimes I see descriptive words are just, uh, you know, when we dig into the meaning, it really makes the word come alive. But indolence is an inclination towards laziness or sloth. Now, sloth is an interesting word. We know the sloth, one of the seven deadly sins. You know, sloth is not a word that we say very much. You know, you usually don't look at people and go, well, what a sloth that person is. <laughs> you know, but it doesn't sound good. You probably never want to get called that. Yet, indolence is this propensity, this inclination towards laziness or slothfulness, which just means that, you know, you're slow, you're not taking advantage of opportunities, you just move. And so have you ever been around people that, you know, everything is just slow, constantly late, always behind, you know, I try not to turn around during service, watch people walk in by the third worship song, shuffling down. I, I just don't want to look because I want to love you. I want to... I want to like you. But I mean, if you showed up for your job like that, you would be in the condition known as unemployed, amen? But, you know, we, we get this spirit on us. We get this 
inclination to, you know, be lax about things, to be lazy about things. And Proverbs provides us God's wisdom and warnings against laziness. God wants to warn us against laziness because it's destructive. God wants to give us wisdom about laziness because if we don't know how to navigate our natural inclination to kind of just, you know, kick back and let life pass by, life is going to pass us by. Now, our world has become more mechanized, more automated, and more technologically advanced than ever before. And because of all that autom- uh, you know, mechanization and automation and uh, techno- technology and all that stuff, you know, we get affected by that. You think about people maybe 50, 60, 75 years ago, how they lived compared to the way we live. Things are a lot easier now. Just in traveling, you think about when you had to travel someplace and get on a boat, you know, that, that expression, take a slow boat to China. That's, you know, when you got on a boat and traveled on a boat for, now we get on a plane and we're like mad if the car goes by too fast and our peanuts aren't enough. And, you know, it's, it's just everything is faster. Everything is quicker, right? And, and it's changed us. People used to travel long distances on horses, and, and go on sailboats and, you know, and all of these things were physical. Now we're in trains and planes and cars and we're moving at excess speeds and we're getting there faster than ever. Do you ever see someone sitting in a, in a luxury car these days? Man, the seats have so many adjustments on them. They got this support and that support. And you press this button, man, I'm in the seat and going like this, you know. And, and then it's heated up and lumbar support. And you're sitting there looking like a big lump of cheese just going down. I'm so comfortable. You remember cars in the 70s? Yeah. No child seats. Kids bouncing around in there. All of this stuff has made us softer. All of this stuff has made us softer, lazier, and less patient. You say, well, how are we less patient? We stand in front of the microwave and pace back and forth. We mutter at drive-thrus. Have you ever screamed at the drive-thru? This is supposed to be fast food. You go to McDonald's, and if you don't have it in three minutes, you're in a bad mood. Now they tell me, go, go pull over there. You go pull over there. I'm not pulling over there. Give me my McWhatever now. We see people walking up the stairs next to the escalator, and we're just looking at them. Come on, you ever seen that person? Running up the stairs, you're on the escalator. Making me look bad. We still buy instant coffee, instant oatmeal, instant breakfast drinks, microwave popcorn, TV dinners, fast food, and all of these things have a destructive effect on us. They make us softer, lazier, less patient. We, are, we see the destructive effects of laziness across the board in all the areas of our lives, in our relationships, in our marriages, in our parenting, at the workplace, laziness at church. It's everywhere. It seems the goal of our culture is to do less or to have somebody else do it for us. Now, God's counsel to those who are struggling with laziness is found in verse 6. It says, go to the ant, you sluggard. So God's counsel to the lazy is to become entomologists. An entomologist is a person who studies the population, ecology, classification, behavior, life cycle, and physiological properties of insects. God says, you want to know about laziness? Look at an ant. 
Now, this is an interesting thing for God to point us to, uh, to look at a, a bug that, you know, most of us never even bother to notice. You know, unless it's that time of the year where they come into your house and then you get the ant traps and then you watch them eat it and you're like, die, you little suckers. And my wife is like ruthless. She can kill ants and mice and everything. But, um, you know, we don't think about ants. We don't think about bugs unless you see a spider. Then you think about it all night long while you're trying to sleep. But be an entomologist, look at a bug, consider the ant. What's God trying to do here? God is trying to get us to look at part of his creation that will give us wisdom on how to tackle this problem that our flesh has with being lazy. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Now, this is a perfect place to point out the fact that you and I can learn a lot about our creator from creation. Amen? God gave us creation so we could look at it and learn some things about his character and nature. Look, if you can't look at a mountain range with snow-capped peaks and see the majesty of God, if you can't look at the ocean and see the magnificent majesty of God, I mean, you're barely living. So creation testifies of the creator, and we can learn some powerful things from creation. But that being said, there's a line. We can't learn everything about God from creation. There's a line where creation can only teach us so much because creation is what God created in those kingdoms, but we're made in the image of God. Now, animals, you know, say, well, we just need to be like the animals. Animals kill and eat each other. Would you like to run, you know, home every night worrying about if someone's going to make you dinner? Hello? Animal, oh, well, just let's be like the animals. Well, you know, have you ever seen the breeding practices of animals? Now it's quiet. That would constitute gross immorality. When they put a bull in a field full of cows, there's not monogamy going on. Hello. So we can learn some things from animals, but we're not animals. We're God's highest creation made in his image. We have the breath of God in us, amen. So creation has its place in revealing the attributes of the creator, but there is a line. Here in Proverbs 6, though, God specifically tells us to consider three things about how he created the small, insignificant ant. He made them to behave a certain way. And the first thing we want to point out about the ant in considering how we should address our flesh's propensity towards laziness is go to the ant, you sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Listen to verse 7, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler. So the ant does what it's supposed to do without anybody telling it what to do. The ant would be what the business world calls a self-starter. If you're a self-starter, you know who you are. You're the person who can get a job description, get a, a position, get a task to do, and you do what you're supposed to do without anybody driving you, pushing you, threatening you, or lording over you to do it. Those people in the business world are solid gold, and bosses love them. And if you own a business, that's what you want. You know, if you have to constantly be there to drive your workers, to drive your staff, to threaten their lives, to get them to do their jobs. Oh, it's quiet now. It's too late. You're here. You sat down. The doors are locked. <laughs> but the ant is a self-starter. 
no captain, no overseer, no ruler, just does what they're supposed to do without anybody driving them. Now, a lazy person does the exact opposite of the ant. They do nothing productive on their own. They need to be forced to do what they should do, even to what they've agreed to do. And if left to their own devices, they are unapologetically unproductive. Wow. Lazy people need someone to make them get out of bed, make them go to work, make them develop and use their God-given strengths and talents, all because they've surrendered themselves to a spirit of laziness. Do you know that each one of you is uniquely gifted and talented by God to contribute something in every avenue of your life and to be productive and even celebrated? Man, you should be clapping right there. I mean, even somebody who's good at a simple job, and you look at them and they're real good at what they do, you appreciate that. You know, and how does that happen? Well, it happens by embracing, you know, the uniqueness of how God created us and and becoming diligent so that we become self-starters and we develop the gifts God has put in us. I've never seen a person that took the time and energy to develop what God put in them in lack, in poverty, or just swept aside by life. No, if we develop what God's put in us and we become self-starters, we'll shake off the laziness of our flesh, we'll become productive, and we will have blessing in every area of our lives. Come on today. I mean, even if it hurts, say amen. Self-starters, productive. Lazy people need to be made to do things. The ant has no captain, no overseer. There's not one big ant. You know, like if you watch ants, there's some big ant with a helmet on and a bullhorn. Let's go! You ever watch them, the colonies, the way they work? It's, it's unbelievable. They just, they're going, they're doing, they're busy. I don't see anybody on break. No, you, they're not union ants, right? So... God wants us to be self-starters. He doesn't want us to be driven. He doesn't want us to be made. And you know what I said? People who need to be made to do what they're supposed to do, they have given themselves over to a spirit of laziness. Say spirit. Laziness is spiritual. The enemy of our soul does not want us to develop what God has put in us. He wants us to squander it and never develop so that we become a burden instead of a blessing. Do you know a person who's lazy, who doesn't develop their gifts, will become a burden in every area of society, in their relationships, in their finances, in the church, instead of a blessing? You and I were not designed and gifted by God and saved by the blood of Jesus so we could be dead weight, so we could be a burden. We are designed to be a blessing everywhere we go. Come on, church. You see, why does the enemy want to do that? Because for every one of us, he can short circuit and and we give ourselves over to laziness. We become dead wood in the organization. We slow everything down. There's a martial art that's called Sambo. It was developed by, uh, it was developed and popularized by the Soviets. It specializes in judo throws that break bones and in leg locks that destroy joints. 
And the Soviets designed it and made it part of their combat jujitsu, uh, their combat program because they got so badly beaten by the Germans in World War II that they knew they never wanted to be uh, humiliated like that on the battlefield. So they taught all of their soldiers to do Sambo. And what Sambo does is it throws a person down, spikes them on their head, fractures bones, and then breaks joints with leg locks. Sounds delicious, doesn't it? And then they would leave that person on the battlefield and not kill them. Why is that? Because they discovered it took three to five people to extricate a person off the battlefield in such condition, and then the medical supplies and the rehab to get that soldier back in the fight were so astronomical that they could win by attrition just by wounding people grievously rather than killing them. And I want to tell you something. The devil likes to do the same thing with God's people to break them and to wound them and to cripple them so they never reach their potential. So they become a burden instead of a blessing. Uh, there are too many saints littered on the battlefield in the spiritual realm that are broken and beat up and just to get recovered, just to get refreshed. We got this program and that program and this group and it's all good and I'm not against it, but why are we so beat up and battered and broken? Laziness opens the door for the enemy to come in and cripple us. God wants us to be self-starters and shake off the spirit of laziness and be productive in the kingdom of God. Someone say amen. amen. Let's consider the ant some more since we're all, I wish we had little, you know, junior entomologist badges right now. <laughs> Talking about bugs this morning. The ant has no captain. It has no overseer. It has no ruler. There's no one driving it. It's a self-starter. Listen to verse 8. But provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. Let's take a look at that. The, first, the second thing I want you to notice about the ant is this. What? That provides or gathers her supplies in the summer. And what this shows is that the ant learns to take full advantage of the season that it's in. Say season. See, we need to discern what season we're in spiritually if we're going to take full advantage of it. it. Have you ever heard the expression, you got to make hay when the sun is shining? That's a good expression because there's a lot of truth in it. And every farmer knows there's a certain season to do every particular thing that needs to be done on the farm. You, you have to make hay when the sun is shining because that's when the grass grows. You know, and if you discern the season that you're in and you do what you should do in that season and maximize it, you're going to be very productive and you're going to be blessed in life. You don't see farmers trying to bale hay in the snow. You don't see farmers trying to bring crops in when the fields are flooded, when it's rainy. When, listen, they understand the seasons. And I think we as believers need to learn to uh, understand the spiritual seasons that we're in. You say, well, why do we even have to know? So we could maximize our time in that season. Uh, too many of us are doing things out of season. We're finding it difficult and frustrating, and we're not getting anything done, and then we want to quit and give ourselves over to laziness and say, I'm not even going to try anymore. In fact, don't raise your hand, but all of us have been to a place where we've been so frustrated because life is so hard that we've quit, we've sat down, and we even stopped trying. No, don't raise your hand but it happens to all of us. And the thing is, the ant knows what season it's in, and it knows how to take full advantage of that season. 
a, a preacher that I've grown up listening to, uh, John Hagee, said he's asked by young pastors this one question more than any other question. He said, young pastors come to me and they ask, Pastor Hagee, what is the one thing I should be doing to be successful in the ministry? He said, my answer is always the same. Find out what God is doing right now and do that. Church, this is powerful. Find out what God is doing right now and do that. Not what the church is doing, not what such and such a preacher on TV is doing, not what your neighbors are doing, not what you feel like doing. Come on. Not what looks spiritual. Well, this looks spiritual. Let's do this. Let's start this. Let's start that. Let's get more programs. Hello? Churches have been running in every different direction. Program this and program. This is our niche, and this is our hook, and this is where you can fit. And listen, we've got to find out what God's doing. We wonder why, you know, sometimes we have such a hard time staffing and financing and, and getting the, you know, the church programs and all this stuff. Like a lot, a lot of times churches have a hard time doing all this stuff. And maybe, just maybe, we're doing stuff that's spiritual or religious, but it's not what God's doing right now. Come on. I know I'm making you think a little bit. This ain't first service, so, you know, you should be up by now. But God wants us to know what season we're in. For John Hagee, you know, the season, the, the thing that he found that God was doing was he spends so much time and energy helping, ministering, and protecting the Jewish people. Even right now, his ministry is extracting people, Jews from Ukraine and that region and stuff, flying them out of there, raising money, doing the Lord's work. And guess what? God's blessing it. Find out what God is doing and do that. Find out what season you're in and, and do what's productive in that season. I think spiritually a lot of us are trying to bale hay in the winter. The lazy person has no idea what season they're in and they don't care. They miss golden opportunities over and over again. They get frustrated because things are too hard and they quit. Listen, you and I need to take advantage of the season that we're in to discern and to allow God to speak to us to what we should be doing with our time and our energy and our talent. You say, Pastor Rick, how do we find that stuff out? We stop everything. We turn off every screen. We get alone in the presence of God and we ask, God, what is it that you're doing and how do I fit into it? See, uh, we make mistakes where we start doing our thing and then pray that God blesses it. That's the wrong approach. That's the cart before the horse. We do what God's doing, and he blesses us when we're obedient to do our part. So the ant knows what season it's in. Do we know what season we're in? The ant knows what's most productive to do in that season. Do we know what's most productive? We got to ask the Lord some questions about our personal involvement, how we spend our time and our energy. If we will couple with the purpose of God in our lives, we're going to drive laziness out of our lives. We're going to find meaning in what we're doing. Hey, anybody remember that? Anybody remember about being excited to be doing something? Most of us are like caught in situations and jobs and relationships that we just want. Where's the exit? I want my gold watch and my retirement certificate and leave me alone. Church, that's no way to live. Life's too short for that. So the ant has no overseer. It's a self-starter. The ant knows what season it's in, 
and it does what's productive in that season. And number three, the third thing we can learn from the ant continues in the text. It says here in verse uh, eight, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. Now, you might look at that gathering food in the harvest and think, well, Pastor Rick, that's kind of the same thing as, you know, providing supplies in the summer. There are some similarities, but there, there's also a really big difference. You see, at first glance, you might think, well, this is, the same po- this is the same point twice, and it's not. It's much more than that. Gathering in the harvest is an opportunity, yes, that must be seized in season. But when we do that, what it actually does for us is prepare us for the future. Not only does the ant know what to do and when to do it and doesn't have anybody have to drive them because they're self-starters, but because they're diligent and they're wise and they refuse to be lazy, they secure their own futures. This will preach this morning, I'll tell you what. It's so powerful that I know there's times where we're going to get quiet here. But when we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing, we are really short-circuiting our own future. The lazy person is sitting back and go, ah, someone else will do it for me. Someone else will pull my weight. Someone else will provide for me. You know, they got a lot. I'll take it from them or I'll just, you know, and and that, that thing is like, well, maybe you'll get by for today. But what about your future? The future of a lazy person is a little bit scary. It's a little bit sketchy. It's a little bit bleak. The ant does what it's supposed to do in the right season. And because it does that, it now prepares itself for the future when all those crops are taken in and the, what does the ant do with them you know some people the whatever whatever they take in they spend a little bit more now it's going to get quiet i made a thousand dollars this week i spent 1500 i i made two thousand dollars this week i spent three thousand do you know that, that attitude where there's no discipline and that laziness to want what I want right now and whatever? Listen, that short circuits our future. Do you know the enemy wires us that way so no matter how much we make, we're always in lack. We've got to learn to live within our means and we've got to learn to provide something for our future. Now, uh, the, the, the ant, you know, they're doing all that work and you watch them, they're storing up things and they're, they're packing this up and they're putting this away and they're working on all the infrastructure of Antville and they just do it so diligently. So what happens when it's cold and it's winter and it's freezing? They don't starve and they don't die quiet now well i was just going to kick back and hope jesus would take care of me yeah jesus will take care of you you'll still be saved you'll still go to heaven but you might have a hell of a time getting there because god doesn't bless lazy god does not bless lazy you get quiet i just get more intense you have no idea what level i can take this to So the lazy person lives for the moment. They live hand to mouth. They spend all that they have. They don't save. They don't put aside uh, for the future. They don't worry about tomorrow, and they never see what's coming. You know, it doesn't take an Old Testament-style prophet to see what's coming. I I hope you know what's going on out there. 
you know, I mentioned this last week, and some people came to me, some people that are involved with farming and stuff came to me and said, you're, you're spot on, Pastor. But 75% of the wheat that needs to be planted already to sustain life in the Middle East and Sub-Saharan Africa has not been planted this year. There are record droughts all across America. California is at 30% water capacity, and their, their harvests are completely diminished. There are looming food shortages coming. Oh, Pastor, you're scaring me now. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just telling you the truth in love, amen. The church needs to be prepared for what's coming so that we could be a blessing and not a burden, amen. Are you ready to be a blessing to a hurting world and not a burden? Some of you are like, well, I'm just going to come knock at your door when I'm hungry and it's dangerous. I'm going to chase you off my lawn. <laughs> I give you a can of beans and I'll hit it. No, I'm just kidding. But we've all got to do our part. See, it's that lazy mentality that says, well, someone else will take care of me. Someone else will worry about it for me. Someone else will put a little extra away for me. That makes us burdens, not blessings. God wants us to be a blessing. The, the ant, he, he's disciplined. He prepares for the future by putting away the harvest that he collects in the right season. The lazy person refuses to do all of that. You and I need to have a plan for our physical future. You and I need to have some sort of plan for our financial future. Now, I'm not saying you need to go crazy in your portfolio and put this in your forehead. Listen, I'm planning to preach till I die. That's my plan, Okay. So I'm going to stay useful in the kingdom of God till he takes me home, amen? <laughs> that being said, we're wise to plan for our financial future. <laughs> I wish I had my cricket sound effect. <laughs> I understand it's tough and it's tight. It costs $160 to fill up my gas tank on my truck. I'm getting a donkey, I'm going to ride it to church. It's ridiculous. Mm-mm. Enjoy, enjoy. God will get America's attention one way or the other. We're going to get to that. So the ant is prepared for the future. We need to prepare for our physical future and our spiritual future to make sure we're spiritually in the right place with our relationship with Jesus, that we're prayed up, that we've got sin driven out of our life. We're not giving ourselves over to sin, laziness, that we are productive members of the body of Christ. Now's not the time to come to church once a month. Now's not the time to, you know, just skip the things of God or to quit ministry. Or Listen, now's the time to dig in, stay close to Jesus, watch for his coming, amen. <laughs> Because, yeah, it's getting crazy out there. It's going to get crazier. You say, when's the Lord coming to get us? I don't know, but I'm watching for it. I'm watching for his coming because the Bible tells us to. So we learned a few things from the ant today. I want to close with one last point, and it comes from verses 9 through 11. Uh, the wisdom of the ant serves as a wake-up call to the church. Listen to 9 through 11. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall poverty come on you like a 
prowler and your need like an armed man. So here, the scripture is talking about the sluggard, which remember, that's the lazy person, the slothful person. That's not who we ever want to be called. But he says, how long will you sleep or slumber, O sluggard? That's a great question. Have you ever seen someone that's dead asleep and you wonder, when are you going to wake up? Have you ever looked at our culture, our society, as they dig the hole deeper and deeper and it gets darker and darker and the truth becomes clearer and clearer, but people can't see it? And, and are you thinking as a child of God with your eyes open and your, your spiritual ears on, when are you going to wake up? And the truth is some people are never going to wake up because they've rejected truth, they've rejected Christ, they've been given over to a strong delusion so that they believe a lie. That's what the Bible says. But here the scripture is saying, how long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? Then a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. You ever see someone in a chair? Sleep. It's a great question. The ant is a self-starter. He takes advantage of the season that he's in. He prepares for the future. All because the ant is engaged, he's diligent, and listen, he's awake. Our world talks a lot about being woke these days. Do you notice about the woke ideology? It's an ideology, it's an ideology that's attempting to erase and replace every foundational truth that comes to us from God. It attacks the biblical foundations of morality, of gender, of sexuality, of social order, of worldview, and it has an ungodly replacement for all of those things. While the world is screaming about wokeness, the church needs to wake up, amen? The church of Jesus Christ needs to wake up. Wake up. You say, well, what should we do when we wake up? We should bring the truth of the gospel, which is the good news, to a world that is confused and deceived, amen? Church, we have the good news. The good news is that Jesus died for our sins, that he rose again on the third day, and that whosoever believes in him would be saved and have the free gift of eternal life. That's good news. The, the world is just bringing more and more confusion into the equation. And the church needs to wake up. How long will you sleep, O oh sluggard? <laughs> so the question is, will we wake up? Will we wake up and do our part in the kingdom of God? It has spiritual laziness caused the church to be ineffective at reaching the lost. Now understand... Uh, you know, the, the multitude of us want to reach our lost friends and family. I understand that it's tough that we ask them, we invite them, we try to talk to them, and they shut us down. Am I, am I on the right track here? I know that we're trying, amen, but you know what? We need to keep trying, and we need to keep praying. Sometimes, you know, these things are not one, uh, you know, with our words or with our great arguments or with our invitations, but they're one in the secret place on our knees as we pray, amen? They're one when we turn our plates over and we fast, amen? I dare you, I dare you to think of a person you've been witnessing to for years. I dare you to pray and fast for them all week long. Give up your lunch and go pray for them and, and see if God doesn't move his hand in their lives and open an opportunity, amen. Prayer and fasting is powerful. But we've got to be awoke. 
We've got to wake up to do it. So the rhetorical question of how long are we going to stay asleep? And while the world is talking about being woke, the church needs to wake up. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. And the, 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 the penalty of laziness is what? Poverty and lack. Look what it says. Uh, the poverty will come like a prowler and your need or your lack like an armed man. So realize there is a penalty for laziness. God wants us to be productive. God wants us to be awake. And God wants us to be in the race for Jesus Christ because he's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle very soon. Amen. Let's bow our heads this morning. Father, we pray this morning that we have gained wisdom from the ant. That, Father, if we have issues in our own life, Father, and all of us need to rest and all of us need a time to just relax and all of us need vacations, yes. But overall, we do not want to give ourselves over to a spirit of laziness. Our enemy wants to put us asleep spiritually so that we are not productive in bringing in the harvest, this last day harvest. The harvest is ripe and it's plentiful, but the laborers are few. God, make us laborers in your harvest. Wake us up as the church. Fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit and let the good news of the gospel be in our mouths that we would be able to share the truth in love with everyone who's hungry for the truth. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give him praise this morning. Amen.